Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. We finally got the trade We'll dive into every angle of that bad boy off the top. Aaron Rodgers is officially a New York Jet. And Jordan Love is officially the Packers' starting quarterback. So buckle up. Some other draft thoughts as well. We are in draft week. So uh, let's go. (laughs) Time to rock and roll, baby. No looking back now. Uh, Middlecoff Mailbag at the end of this show is just my Instagram. Just my name. At John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMs. Uh, the plan this week, this podcast, we'll have a little probably shorter golf one tomorrow because not as much going on in the golf world. And then uh, Friday morning, I'll be with Coward and we'll react to the first round of uh, all the picks and the trades, whatever happens. And then I think maybe Friday, do a quickie, uh, a quickie on that as well. What if something happens second and third round? We'll see, but that that's that's a fluid situation. But that's that's the tentative plan right now. You want some go low merch? Thevolume.com. Uh, go check out the different shows. The go low. We got a hat. We got a sweet polo. We are uh, still working on that three and out. We're still you know doing some fine tuning, trying trying to get this hat looking good. So we will have some merch sooner and later as well for three and out. Let's see. Any other uh, thing, I, any housekeeping? I don't think there is. We're live on AMP. Live on AMP. Download Amazon AMP. Find it on YouTube as well. So uh, let's rock and roll, baby. I'm officially going to the Sacramento Kings Golden State Warriors game. I couldn't be more excited. And uh, it's I, I haven't been to uh, a, a game in a while, any sport really. Uh, but I, I, I'm jacked and I'm going because... Of the official ticketing app of this podcast, three and out, game time. Here's what you need to do if you want to go to a game. Download the game time app. And when you do, when you sign up and buy your first pair of tickets, comedy, concerts, games, you name it, use the promo code John. That's J-O-H-N. Get a uh, $20 discount on a pair of tickets. No big deal. Can't wait. I'm a little bummed that De'Aaron Fox is hurt, but I'll be there. You know, the dynasty ain't ready to die yet, baby. And uh, Lakers are coming because the Warriors are now going to win this series. But love myself a good 9-1-6 Sacramento Kings home big game. There hasn't been one in like two decades. But I'll be there. Game five, baby. Because of my friends at game time, buckle up. Start with Rodgers. Because, you know, biggest story of the day. He's officially traded. 
And uh, the, the long, and I, listen, I was exhausted with talking about the hypotheticals. Just happen, and then we can give our thoughts and our takes on the trade. But it was like, what's he going to go for? What are you going to do? Like, we'd all played that game too many times. <laughs> We've been playing it for months now. Uh, now we have clarity. And let's start with just the most basic part of the compensation. It was never going to be cheap. I don't care if he retires next year or plays three more seasons. To acquire Aaron Rodgers, it was going to cost some draft capital. That, that's just a reality. You want to join a nice country club? You want to drive a nice car? You want to live in a nice neighborhood? It ain't cheap. Acquiring quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, who just are a year removed from multiple MVPs, especially when you are desperate for a quarterback because you have never really had one. I'm 38 years old. Don't remember the Jets really going, God, sweet quarterback the Jets have. Doesn't happen. So you factor in desperation. You factor in he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. I get he's 39 years old. I get he threatens to retire all the time. But you were never getting him for like a second. And that, like that, was, that was not happening. And now we know they swap first round picks, which is just two spots, 13 and 15. The Jets get their, or excuse, yeah, the Packers get their second round pick, which is pick 42, and they get their second round pick next year. And if Rodgers stays healthy, that pick goes to a one. And let's face it, would it be worth pick 42 and pick 28 if you get to the second round of the playoffs and win 13 games and host a playoff game and play the Chiefs in another? Of course it would. You haven't made the playoffs in literally forever. Now that the Kings snapped that streak, you have the longest streak going. Not in football, in pro sports in this country. So while you are in a major market, you, you've kind of faced irrelevancy. Now, is this a short-term buy? Of course it is. Is Aaron Rodgers probably going to retire at the end of the season? I would doubt it, but who knows? We'll get into all the variables and all the potential outcomes here. But I've just seen a lot of reaction. I think it's fair that, like, God... You might have to give up pick 42 this year and a first-round pick. Because if he stays healthy, win or lose, it's kind of going to be the Carson Wentz. Remember when the Colts did not make the playoffs and they still had to give up a first-round pick? It's like, yeah, it's the cost of doing business. <laughs> That's the reality. And listen, we all hate it in whatever thing we're dealing with. Things are more expensive in 2023 than they've literally ever been. And I'm not saying that should parallel what's going on with quarterback trade compensation. But the reality is he's Aaron freaking Rodgers. And you can't list, I don't know, seven quarterbacks in the history of the league that are better than him. Now, I get he's old, and I get last year was weird, and you could argue he's gotten a little weird, but you want Aaron Rodgers on your team, it's going to be expensive, i.e. this trade. The Jets get to keep their first-round pick. They still have a second-round pick because they were willing to trade Elijah Moore. And they will be glad to give next year's first-round pick if it's like after 25 next year, because that not only means they were in the playoffs, means they probably won a playoff game. And I would say that would be a successful season. Now, when you look at this situation, given what they've paid, given Aaron Rodgers now has bitched and moaned for a couple years about the Packers situation, there is a ton of pressure. We'll get to the Packers in a second, but you just look at the New York Jets in a vacuum because this is a short-term move. And whenever you do a short-term move, Right? If I say, hey, you've saved up $100,000 to buy a home, put it on a stock, right? Zillow, Netflix, whatever. And you're like, well, I'm planning on buying a home in the next six months. 
If that stock goes the wrong way, disastrous short-term move. That thing doubles, fucking incredible, right? So if next year the, the New York Jets win 12 games, either win the division or are the top wild card team, it's a success. It completely worked. But let's not get it twisted. Now, Aaron Rodgers, you could argue, he's been one of the top, not just quarterbacks in the league, one of the top athletes in America now for a long period of time. He's used to having pressure on him. He plays for one of the biggest brands. He replaced Brett Favre. He understands pressure. But anytime you go to a new franchise, right, you don't have any equity with the Jets. You don't have any equity in the New York market, which is completely different than the Green Bay market. So there is... uh, extraordinary amount of pressure on the situation. And when you factor in the GM, Joe Douglas, who whiffed on his draft pick, Zach Wilson. I mean, a complete whiff. The guy cannot play. He literally cannot play. And they've acknowledged that. And if you watched him, he couldn't hit basic routes. I mean, stuff that you have to do in high school football. He was struggling to hit wheel routes, slant routes. The team turned on him. The front office turned on him. He was done. So it... That's That happens in sports, right? Sometimes you miss on a pick, but you miss on the number two overall pick. No matter how many other picks you miss on, that's a problem. Well, now you trade for Aaron Rodgers, it almost doubles down. If this works out, it's all good. It's all gravy. You'll get an extension. If you get Aaron Rodgers for two years and make the playoffs both times, Woody Johnson is cutting you guys, extending Robert Sala, Joe Douglas, Nate Hackett, singing Kumbaya. If you miss the playoffs, like Aaron Rodgers' legacy is already somewhat established, right? We'll get into him in a second, but like if this fails, it's not going to ruin him. It's just not. Now, if it succeeds, it will add something to him. But when you look at these guys, they're all in. All their chips are now in the middle of the table. Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, you know, the people surround that work for them, they are either getting extended or they're all going to get fired. It's really hard to see a middle ground. And this is the situation you set yourself up for when you have a disastrous pick at quarterback and your team's clearly not good enough. And the difference is, like, the 49ers might have had a disastrous pick at quarterback with Trey Lance, given that he just he becomes a backup. Hell, who knows? He might not even beat out Sam Darnold. But their team was good enough. They found another quarterback. And their head coach calls the plays. That's the thing. So he comes in here. You know, the last several coaches, I mean, really, Aaron Rodgers' entire career, McCarthy, LaFleur, offensive guys. Now, McCarthy gave up play calling, took it back or whatever, but that's his, that's his thing. And obviously, LaFleur has been the play caller the whole time. Now, Rodgers, now I'm not saying he's clearly had a lot of influence with the Green Bay Packers, but he's in full control. Like, this is kind of his show. And Robert Sala, a defensive guy who doesn't even call the defense, is kind of in this weird position. And it's not like he's ever had a ton of success as a head coach, given that he's only been on the job for two years. Now, he's had success as an assistant coach, but this is a different animal. And the pressure on this squad is just immense. Now, you could argue the other teams in that division, right? The Bills desperately need to get over the hump. I mean, they potentially had the most embarrassing end to a season for a good team last year when the Bengals just mollywopped them. I mean, that was a curb stomping. The Miami Dolphins, ton of pressure because their team's really good, but the quarterback situation and the Patriots... Like, fair or not, like, is Belichick coaching for his job? So the division is kind of fucking nuts. Now, with Rodgers, the roster, in theory, they should be right there with the Bills. They, they should be. But, you know, it's sometimes the NFL isn't just a plug-and-play league. And sometimes it is. I mean, once upon a time, Favre 
Once he went to the Minnesota Vikings, boom, had a great season there in the NFC Championship game. That happens this year with the Jets. It's all gravy. And when you think about Rodgers, like, listen, Rodgers is a first-bout Hall of Famer. He's one of the best players of his era, any position, and obviously quarterback. But I do think, and if this is a disaster, whatever, a lot of people will blame the Jets. We saw what he did with the Packers. Goes to the Jets, it'll be like Robert Sala, Joe Douglas. It'll be other people's fault. Because that's usually the way it works with Rodgers to begin with. But let's say they have, let's say this works. Like, what if I tell you that in the next two years, Aaron Rodgers gets the New York Jets to a Super Bowl? Let's say he were to win one. Like, when you really look at his comp, it's kind of Peyton Manning. Now, I would put Peyton Manning above Rodgers. He's got five MVPs. Rodgers got four. Obviously, they both have, well, I guess Peyton has two Super Bowls. But he went to a couple other ones and lost. Remember, he lost to Drew Brees and he lost to Russell Wilson. That's part of one thing that's missing with Aaron Rodgers is a ton of success, a lot of conference championship games, but he's only been in the one Super Bowl. So if he could just get to another one, and definitely if he becomes a two-time Super Bowl champ, I think that would put him like 1A, 1B with Peyton and whatever, wherever you rank Peyton, fourth, fifth, whatever, I would put Rodgers right smack dab behind him. Now you could argue he's still behind him, but right now when you look at the two resumes, there's a little bit of a gap. And one thing Peyton did, right, went to another team, boom, took the Broncos like a fucking rocket ship. They started kicking everyone's butt. He went to two Super Bowls, won one, winning MVPs there, was just dominating. They became a powerhouse. Rodgers is that with the Jets. Even if he weren't to win a Super Bowl, that'd be pretty impressive. I mean, this team has been a joke. I mean, let's face it. The way we talk about the Lions and the Browns and the Tex, some of these other teams, the Jets, let's Google their resume the last decade. It kind of looks a lot like that. So Rodgers, who, if this is a disaster, we'll make fun of him and everything. But big picture, I don't think it changes much. But I do think it can add to somewhat of the legend. And, and, and you can... You know, let's say he can't even catch Peyton Manning, so he doesn't necessarily need to win the other Super Bowl. But if you're just good, think about Joe Montana. It was like Joe Montana went to the Kansas City Chiefs, boom, had success back-to-back years. Pretty sure he went to a conference championship game. Rodgers can do that, be a big feather in his cap. It, it, it really will. Because he will get a ton of credit. Rodgers will. I don't think he'll he'll get short-term criticism, but ultimately, like, He's super rich. He's super accomplished. It'll be Douglas and Sala that get blown out, and Rodgers will just retire and go with Aubrey Marcus to, you know, snort ayahuasca and do whatever they do. But if he's successful, I think we'll talk about more like, look what Aaron Rodgers did to the Jets more than, God, Joe Douglas. Of course Joe Douglas traded for Aaron Rodgers. And it'll be like, what did Robert Sala really do? Like, he's, he's not even the coordinator, let alone calling the offense. So Rodgers has a lot to gain. I don't know how much he has to lose, but at least this is over. We don't need to wait till draft night. We can kind of let it marinate. And, uh, you know, the Jets still get 15th overall pick and they still get a second round pick. So they should be able to get a couple starters to go along with the roster that I think we all view as pretty damn good. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. 
This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So look at the Packers now. I saw Richard Sherman said, and I don't necessarily disagree at all, that you're no longer feared. And I talked to a buddy in the NFL like, yeah, I don't take the Packers seriously anymore. For 30 years, they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And every single year, like, you might have been a hater or whatever, they were getting picked to make the playoffs. And the overwhelming majority of those seasons, they made the playoffs. And a big reason why was Favre and freaking Rodgers. I'm sorry, those days are over. And, like, I don't think most people are going to pick them to make the playoffs. Now, obviously... Just because people don't pick you or think you're going to be any good does not mean that you can't be good, right? We all thought the Giants were going to stink. Then they were solid. We all thought Seattle was going to draft number one overall. They went 9-8 and eight and they were in a playoff game. So I wouldn't bet my life that the Packers are going to stink or not be a playoff team. But history would show us you usually don't go Favre, Rodgers, and then another top 10 quarterback. It's probably over. Now, if LaFleur just turns out to be some stud coach, And I think he's pretty solid, but it's kind of hard to judge when you've had Aaron Rodgers playing at a really high level and Devontae Adams. And Gudekins right now, like McCarthy and Ted Thompson became legends because when they traded Favre, and Favre had been kind of being a diva for years, they literally went to Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) And then within a couple years, they won the Super Bowl. So it worked out perfect for them. And if I would say if Jordan Love is just like Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins, these guys are getting large extensions and they will be viewed as, I don't want to say geniuses, but it'll be very, very impressive. The chances Jordan Love is those guys, though, to me is just slim to none. That's just not the way, historically, the NFL works. And when you just look at the math, like the the likelihood that he's going to be a bottom 10 quarterback is complete. Like if you were a betting man, you would bet on that over to be the ninth best quarterback in the league, especially he's surrounded by a lot of young players. And it's not like this Packer team was dominant last year. And whether Rogers obviously didn't have an MVP like season, he's still more than likely in 2022 better than Jordan love is going to be in 2023. So if they went eight and nine last year, what are the chances they win seven games this year? I would say I would probably hammer the under. And I I just think that more often than not, when you make these moves, it's not all their fault. Like Roger started acting weird. Devante said, I'm not going to resign with you. But ultimately on Brian Gudekin's resume, he was the guy that traded Devante Adams and traded Aaron Rodgers. Now, again, you put it in context, but we all know that's not exactly how it works. Right? There was a lot of variables with Favre. But Ted Thompson got the credit, pulled the trigger, transitioned, and they kept kicking ass. 
And his dude started winning MVPs and taking them into the playoffs and winning in the playoffs and hosting playoff games. I, I just think the likelihood of that is just not great. You know, Now, the one thing they got going for them is the NFC isn't great and their division is more than questionable. The, it's clear the Vikings are going through this transitional period and the Lions are ultimately the Lions. Now, I love their roster. They got a lot going for them. But even they kind of have this bridge quarterback in Jared Goff, right? He's not, he's solid, but I wouldn't say he's their franchise quarterback. They could easily draft a young quarterback, you know, in the next week. And, you know, that transition to that guy, and that guy might not turn out to be good. But I I think the day and age of just chalking out, you know, the Packers, like being the Pittsburgh Steelers every single year, winning 10 to 12 games, it's over. It ended. Very risky, uh, you know, and, and I just think that, you know, Gudikins and LaFleur, their careers, fair or not, are going to be defined by, I would say, the next 24 months. Because I would assume uh, they're going to pick up the fifth-year option. If Jordan Love is a quarterback that you give a contract extension to, all gravy. You're in great shape. But if in two years you're looking for another quarterback, they are in major trouble. Because we just know how hard it is to find. Right? It's just it's very, very difficult. The other thing, the best two players on this roster by a country mile over their run were Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Two players that this general manager and this head coach inherited. Now, I'm not trying to just shit on Brian Gudikins here. Whenever I've heard him talk and the way he's handled the situation has been impressive. They don't teach you how to deal with all this stuff when you're a road scout or the pro personnel director. This is only something you can learn kind of on the job. And you even have, you either have like the wherewithal, uh, you, you can take the, the bullets that are going to come flying, or you can't. And he's proven to be pretty impressive, at least to handle it publicly. But ultimately, you get judged in this league not on how you give a press conference or how many people in the media talk you, know, talk you up, but your wins and losses. And if you start losing some games and you start missing the playoffs a couple years in a row, the difference always was when, and listen, I, I've been watching the Packers I mean, one, they've been one of the biggest national teams since Fox got the NFL. But when I was a kid, like in the Bay Area in Northern California, they, they were the 49ers rival and they were a powerhouse. And up through, you know, when I got in the league and they transitioned to Aaron Rodgers, like they might have missed some playoffs some of those years with Farvin Rodgers. But you always had one of those two guys the following year and you went, this will turn it around. And more often than not, they did. They won double digit games, and they get back, they'd win the division. And they benefited their division, you know, I would say over that period of time. It's not been great. But they've had, you know, kind of the, you know, the most important thing you can have. Superstar quarterbacks. Not not really good quarterbacks. Not like, you know, you can win 10 games, 10, 12 games every year with Cousins or Dak or, or Lamar or Kyler or whoever. They had all-time greats. I mean, both guys, I think, without hesitation, I'm putting in my top 10. Definitely, listen, I'm not Belichick a historian, but... When you factor in my lifetime, easy top 10. I mean, you could, in my life, definitely the internet age, I mean, beside Brady and, and Manning, Roger would probably be third, right? Just the best quarterback we've seen. Mahomes is obviously coming strong, uh, but what a day, you know? End of an era. And it's just, th- this is why, you know, we'll talk a lot about the draft and character and the way guys are wired, the one thing that you can never truly know, because we, we've talked a lot about this with NIL. I just saw Caleb Williams got another big uh, 
NIL contract. Like he's just making millions of dollars. So when you draft Caleb Williams next year at number one overall, you you won't ask the question, well, like, how will he handle money? He's already a multimillionaire. He's already been a one percenter in a state where they tax the shit out of you. He's unfaced, right? He's living well. But what about when I start paying you hundreds of millions of dollars and you become easily one of the most famous people on the planet? Like, how do you handle it? How do you handle, as you age, younger players? Are you good with younger players? Or do you kind of act weird, right? One thing Tom Brady always hung his hat on is like, he's just a great teammate. Till his, till his, you know, retirement. Great with teammates. Guys loved him. Peyton Manning, I, I think, was probably equally kind of like hard on guys in practice. Some might say even more. Guys loved him. Guys loved him. And I think Rodgers like, has kind of battled that as he's aged. He got so rich. He got so famous. You know, just not everyone handles that as smooth because it's hard. Like, I, I don't know how to handle that. Like, it, how can you be super famous and just Steph Curry, elite teammate? Like, it doesn't get any better. Like, it, it took Kobe Bryant till he got really old in the league to figure out how to be, like, good with other players. And, and Rodgers, like, kind of battled that. And, you know, that's the thing you, ju- you just never know till you get. Obviously, Favre, you know, was kind of hit or miss with that as he got older because their ego gets out of control. And the hard part is in a team sport, listen, every human worth their salt believes in themselves. I don't want to say has some like narcissistic qualities, but like however you combine the ego and belief in yourself, whether that is some shades of narcissism or whatever, you know what I mean? But like when you play a team sport, when you're the leader of a company, like that you got to be very cognizant of that as the lead guy, as the highest paid guy. And it's difficult. And I I think Roger is going to be put to the test here. And it's it's never easy from Jordan Love's shoes to follow the guy. And that's why Rogers was so impressive when he was young. Like it was to follow those shoes in, in Brett Favre. It's very, very difficult. I mean, look at Mac Jones last year. Started acting like an idiot. Like, yeah, I get it. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia don't know anything about offense. They, they should not be calling offense. But you look like a clown jumping up and down on the sideline. You're not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, bro. You can't act like that, <laughs> right? So it's very difficult to do what these guys are doing. The pressure, the money. The reason we talk about NFL television ratings is because everyone in the country, relative to other shows, is, is watching the product. There are more eyeballs on you in the NFL in a random week game, let alone big Sunday night games and Monday night games and then the playoffs. So this is the the ultimate pressure cooker. And at quarterback, there's nothing like it, right? You're the most famous guy on the team. Literally everyone in the huddle looks at you. The coaches are all over your ass. It's just going to be fascinating to watch this all play out. I would bet on the Jets being pretty solid. I wouldn't bet my life savings on them winning like 11 or 12 games, but I think when you factor in their talent, assuming Rodgers still plays at a high level, they'll still be good. And if I was betting on the Packers, like six wins. Like I, that's just, I would bet on them not being that good. Just that simple. Because I think Rodgers is that freaking good. And he's that important. And let's face it, it's not like they're some defensive, don- it's not like, well, you know, they've had like the 2012 Seattle's defense the last five or six years. They're not really built like that. They have been an offensive-oriented team, right? If I just take Patrick Mahomes away from Andy Reid and give him Jordan Love, like I'd be like, well, it's Andy Reid. Maybe he can figure out a way to win nine games. But 
this is an eight-win team with Rodgers. So, Godspeed. Good luck. And the one thing I will say, the one thing I will say, Packer fans, you've had it well. You've had it really good. And you know this. I mean, I, I see you guys. I love the Packer fans. They are such an educated fan base. They love football. To me, like Packer fans, Steeler fans, are just such a knowledge when you talk to these guys. Just how much, because they've just watched so much good football. They know what it looks like. They even know the slight margins. And they're all even, like, I think they're ready for this. But they probably can't acknowledge yet that this could be a disaster. This could be really, really ugly. If you're a betting man, I I think that's usually the side you have to pick when you make these transitions. A couple other things. Uh, I I was listening to uh, New Heights podcast with Jason and Travis, the Kelsey brothers. They had on Brock Purdy. And just listening, and I was listening to Rosillo's podcast, podcast with Jason Kelsey. He's just such an impressive guy. When we drafted him, I think it was my second year in Philly, he was kind of crazy. Not in like a bad way, but I just remember like partied pretty hard, obviously won the job from the jump, and he was just, he was in a good way, and I mean this positive, kind of wild man. And in a good, you want your linemen to be wild men. And obviously Travis Kelsey, who told Brock Purdy on the podcast, like I was a major red flag guy coming out of college. And obviously, Jason fell in the draft because he was undersized. Travis fell in the draft because he had some red flags in college. And yet, both those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. And coming up here in the next couple days, like, we'll end up talking a lot about the first-round picks. And rightfully so. Those are the guys that you give a lot of money to. Those are the guys that, you know, tend historically to be major hits when you pick on them. But any of you guys that are fans of different teams want to know about the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, right? And I've taken the stance of like, beside the top like 50 guys in the draft, I don't pretend to act like this guy's some can't miss guy in the fourth or what a pick in the sixth because it's impossible to know. No one has any clue. And as someone that has now been worked in the league and just gone to training camps for a decade, every single year you see this guy like, God, look at this random fifth round pick. Or look at this undrafted free agent whooping the second round picks ass. And listen to those two guys now and just following their careers and obviously going to the Niners practices who some of their best players, Fred Warner's a third round pick. George Kittle's a fifth round pick. Like they, they get guys that, you know, obviously Nick Bosa's a really high pick, but they have some of their core guys that were later round picks. And the reason is character. And I don't just mean the way you treat people. I just mean your character when it comes to football. So, like, are you super focused? Does football mean everything to you? No matter what, do you refuse to fail? Will you do absolutely everything in your power to be a good football player? Because clearly, once you make the league, for the most part, you have the requisite arm length, foot speed, you know, give or take an inch or a couple pounds or whatever. But, like, the margins for separating in this upcoming draft a third-round pick and a sixth-round pick is very, very tiny. It's Honestly, it's, it's extremely small. And every single training camp, immediately, that sixth or seventh-round pick will be better than that third or second-round pick. It'll happen all over the league. And you look around the league, there'll be sixth, seventh, fifth-rounders starting. They'll win starting jobs. They will get veterans cut. And I don't care how deep we get into this, how much psychological testing we have. It's the coolest part about the draft. The stuff you can't quantify. Like, all of a sudden, you look back, like, 
Travis Kelsey was a red flag guy. And then he became someone, every guy in the Kansas City Chiefs building, players, executives, coaches, beloved. They, they, I mean, they, they swear by the guy. They, they can't get enough of him. And this guy was a red flag guy coming out of college, right? So it just shows you how difficult it is. Some of these red flag players coming out of college, I remember talking to the Chiefs when they had the Honey Badger. They're like, favorite player on my team. <laughs> Love the guy. He was kicked out of LSU. Didn't go till the third round. He's been a team captain on three different teams in the NFL. But if everyone knew that, that maturity and focus and whatever the question marks were, he would have been a top 20 pick. But you can't know that at the time when you take, because they're kids. They're 21, 22 years old. And I I say this all the time. Like, I speak for myself because I do think I represent a lot of guys. Like, we, most of us are not locked and loaded (laughs) at 20 years old, are ready to start a company, are ready to be some starting quarterback, are mature enough to handle it, whether you're any industry, including football. But as you grow, as you get older, as you surround yourself with either higher level people, dissuccessful people, we mature. And like there, it's impossible to know. It's absolutely, you can't figure it out. And I, I think one thing I watched John Lynch's press conference today talking about the draft, they're non-negotiable when it comes to drafting in the, in the recent years is football character and physicality. And I think if you have high football character and you're physical, because I think sometimes like on tape, if you have really good numbers or maybe you produced, it's like, well, you know, we've heard he doesn't love football and sometimes he'll turn down contact, but God, you know, he had 12 touchdowns. Those are the guys, once you get to the league, because it's way harder, preparation, the demand of everything, usually don't work. Like when you look at Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, those guys are football junkies. It means everything to them. George Kittle, Richard Sherman, just go around the league of these later round picks that hit to studs. Like football is a major priority in their life. And I, I love it during this time of year whenever the media makes a big deal. It's like, why does everybody want have a balanced life? The NFL is not a balanced life. For six months of the year, all your chips are in the middle of the table as a coach, as a player. It doesn't mean you don't get to see your son or your wife or go to dinner with them sometimes during the year. But you spend a large amount of time, a large percentage of the pie chart, doing football stuff. And anytime, whether you make $10 or whether you make $10 million, if you're going to spend and allocate a lot of your time and energy towards something. That's why most successful people tell you, if you can do anything, try to find something you enjoy doing it. It sounds cheesy, but it's so fucking true. Because if you enjoy doing something, you are less likely to not do it. Because most times, I don't care if you're a football player, a podcaster, a car salesman, you name it. You're going to have to work sometimes when it's like, you know, I'd rather be at the beach. I'd rather be at dinner with my wife. I'd rather just be at home doing nothing. And sometimes you got to work. Sometimes you got to do stuff. And when you like doing it, it makes it much more possible. And I think we're going to see so many guys drafted that are going to be not good football players and so many guys drafted later who are better than them at football I think a lot of it comes down to the person. And that's my favorite part about the draft is the value aspect. Where do the player I want, what round do I have to take him to get him on my team? Regardless of do I think the guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, Pro Bowl, or whatever, I like this guy a lot and I want to draft him. But 
I don't need to take him in the second round because I can get him in the fourth. And the good GMs know exactly how to maneuver that. Second favorite part is like the wiring of the individuals that you draft. Because most guys are talented, right? Drafting guys from Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, USC, Texas, all over the... Not Texas, they haven't had many draft picks lately, but they will this year. But you know what I mean. What separates them is the stuff that you just... It ain't the jumping, it ain't the arm length. That stuff does, but that's why they're good or not at their you know position, right? But what's going to sustain and what's going to have them pass guys and what's going to have the guys not make it is all the intangible stuff. And uh, you can do all the research you want. You can talk to everyone in the program. But man, like it's a lot of you guys listening right now, like, you know, there weren't many people that believed in me, right? You think that you like you're a successful human being. You, you can people can tell you good, bad or indifferent. But like what separates people is once they get there, the player, what's inside deep down sounds cliche or stupid, but it's just a fact. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's fire through a couple things. Rand Carthen, the new general manager for the Tennessee Titans, so they have not received any calls. <laughs> my my, uh, my Uber driver the other day that said Derrick Henry was going to the Eagles, I think you read a poor article. I read it too. It was it was surfacing there on the interweb. Uh, Rand Carthen, I don't know why he would lie. He just said, we haven't received any calls. And I talked to a buddy that was like, why would the Eagles trade? Do you know how much money Derrick Henry makes? Like, no one's trading for a guy that makes that much money. Especially, you know, he's getting a little up there in age. Why is DeAndre Hopkins not traded? Not because he can't play, because he makes 19 plus million dollars a year. If DeAndre Hopkins made seven, 10 teams would have tried to trade for him. You make 19 million dollars, it's a little hard to trade for you. Uh, the betting markets have Will Levis going number two overall. Uh, Vegas, you know, usually makes more money than they lose. But I know this. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm probably closer to a Will Levis fan than someone. I know Coward, you know, I, and I understand the jacked aspect. It's more about pliability than it is muscles at quarterback. 100% agree. Like, that's that's a fact. Pliability. Look, look at some of the best quarterbacks. I mean, Peyton and 
Look at Peyton and Tom Brady with their shirt off, right? Drew Brees. I mean, these guys are not, they don't look like linebackers, right? Aaron Rodgers. These guys, you, you do not need to be super jacked. And some of the super jacked quarterbacks that come to mind, especially for older people, is like Kyle Bowler, Brady Quinn. It's harder to play football when you're tight and you're not fluid, right? Golf's the same thing. Pitching's the same thing. Not about big muscles, about fluidity, throwing the ball, touch. Now, I watched Will Levis a couple years ago. I liked him. Good buddy in the NFL swears that if Liam Cohen, who is now the OC again, had never left Kentucky, this guy would be competing to go number one overall. That Rich Scandarello, who everyone in the NFL kind of makes fun of, stinks and kind of ruined this guy. Now, you could also just say he doesn't see pressure, he gets sacked too often, he doesn't take, you know, he throws the ball too hard, no touch. I personally, if I was going to take Levis, who is also kind of a swing for the fences, or Anthony Richardson, I think I would swing on Anthony Richardson. Because everything I've heard about the character, Will Levis, really good character. Anthony Richardson, same thing. So the character, the work ethic, all that stuff is similar. I'm swinging for the fences either way, right? I'm trying to hit a home run here. Neither of these guys are viewed as doubles. Or it's like, you know what, worst case scenario, you just get a single, you get to round to second, and you just kind of roll back, and you just get a quarterback who can function. That's... That's not the case with these guys. So I would personally take a swing for the fence. I would take a swing for the fence, right? Like Bryce Young, even CJ, it's like those guys, ton of tape. They've been really good. These two guys, most people think Will Levis this year was terrible. And Anthony Richardson beside the Utah game, some people think he's like undraftable. But the other betting market has him as a lock to go in the top five. Like if one of the guys go in the top five, I would swing with Anthony Richardson. I did a little informal poll, texting around. Most people that reacted to me, now a lot of them are teams that do not need quarterbacks. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. And I'm not some Will Levis stinks guy. But if I was going to lean one of the two of them, because both of them feel like a big stretch, right, in the history of the draft. I remember, I think I mentioned this on the podcast. One day I was listening to DJ's pod, Move the Sticks, and I text him, right? He came into the league in the early 2000s. And I said, what would those type players what round would they have gone in in 2001? He's like, the fourth or fifth. Like, so it, quarterback inflation's real, but so is inflation everywhere. Like, right? Things cost more money. Want a pair of shoes? You want to buy a bicycle? You fucking see how much gas in Arizona is like 520. Things are expensive. Right or wrong, just the way it is. So you want Will Levis, you want Anthony Richardson, you got to take a high pick. I, I would lean Anthony Richardson. So on the internet streets, people giving the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma's spring game was this weekend, and they gave him a statue. I saw a lot of people making fun that the statue was way too big. Obviously, Kyler's small. But a bunch of, you know, the new coach, the new GM, the contingent of just new Arizona people went to go see it. And I guess, I just heard people say this, they're like, oh, everyone was giving them a hard time. And I always have a hard time with that one. Like, who's everyone? Seven people on Twitter? Some booger eaters? People with a combined 600 followers? You know, does that count? Like, who cares? I, I just think that's so stupid whenever we do that. It's one of my least favorite things when I see someone in the media go, everyone was given them, who's everyone? Find me everyone. Three guys with numbers on their Twitter avatar said this is stupid, they should be watching tape. That does not count. No one actually cares. If anything, like, yeah, good supportive move. Do they ideally want Kyler Murray? You know, probably not, but they're stuck with him because the last GM, last coach, and the owner gave him just a contract that is probably going to be one of the great disasters in the history of the league. 
One thing that I'll end on this. I wonder if Lamar could get traded on draft night. Just seems like, I don't know. You just, I wouldn't discount it. I'm not expecting it, but crazier things have happened. I never expected A.J. Brown to get traded. Now, I know it's, it's different with a quarterback, but are we sure that in the middle of the draft or early in the draft, Lamar Jackson has been traded? They just re-signed Tyler Huntley, who is one of the great I did not see coming I've ever seen. <laughs> I watched a lot of Pac-12 football. did not think Tyler Huntley was an NFL quarterback, let alone a guy that you could win NFL games with. Ravens have pulled that off. And I wonder, maybe they make a trade, they draft a quarterback, kind of reset their salary cap. I'm not expecting it. Got my spidey senses up, though. Got, got my spidey senses up. Is it just on the table? Okay, let's fire into the mailbag. Ryan, uh, he's up. And the mailbag is just my Instagram, my name, and fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Hey, John, longtime listener, first time caller. Will Sean Payton's reputation as a quarterback whisperer be sullied if his time with Russell Wilson is a dud? As a longtime Saints fan, obviously I've seen his chemistry with Breeze, but he's also maximized the play of Bridgewater, Jameis, Taysom, and discovered Tony Romo during his tenure with the Cowboys. Is all that nullified if Wilson sucks? Would love to hear your thoughts. That would be a big no for me. One thing Sean Payton has going for him into this situation is Russell Wilson was atrocious last year. To me, if he had been the co- the coach that traded for Russell Wilson and that's what it looked like, yes, his reputation would 100% take a hit. But he's inheriting a guy that we all agreed like, what the hell was that? Is Every single human, whether you're Bill Polian, Howie Roseman, Kyle Shanahan, Pete Carroll, or you're me or you, did just watch Russell Wilson play went, this guy kind of stinks. <laughs> like, what? what is going on? So that's who he's inheriting. A guy that Pete Carroll said we didn't want anymore and then goes to the Broncos. And I get the franchise was in a weird spot because they had a coach over his head. But when he just played quarterback, regardless of bad play calls and poor clock management by Hackett, he just dropped back and would throw an out route or would throw a crossing route or throw whatever it looked awful. His eye test was really, really bad. So to me, that helps the landing spot for Peyton. Because ultimately, if he stinks, like, wasn't my problem. I didn't pick him. Right? I, this, I never said this guy could play. Well, I know he did say the guy could play, but you know what I mean. Like, when you trade for a guy, right, it's on you. Ultimately, Hackett and George Peyton... They traded for Russell Wilson. Like to me, Deshaun Watson, that's on the owner. But the Russell Wilson situation was Hackett and Peyton. And it wouldn't shock me. Obviously, Hackett lost his job if uh, George does as well. Good morning. I was wondering how you think the Bears stack up for this year. Obviously, you'll be reading responding to this after the draft. So what else could they add to do to make the playoffs this season? I'm not a huge feels guy, so wondering if he's the answer. Well, I'm actually talking, doing this before the draft. I think here's the question. Bijan Robinson is a player that, obviously a running back, and most people are like, you can't take a running back super high. 
But everyone agrees in the league he's a top two or three player in this draft. Pure talent, it's like him and Jalen Carter. So let's say he's there at nine. And if you're the Bears, what if you take B. John Robinson? And then all of a sudden you got B. John Robinson, you got DJ Moore, you got Mooney, you got Komet, you got Claypool, and you go, Fields, let's see what you can do. Let's say Fields isn't good. Doesn't have a good year. Then you're in a position to get a quarterback next year, a young one. Drake May, Caleb Williams, whatever. You have it surrounded with really good pieces. So to me, if I'm the Bears, I would think long and hard about taking B. John Robinson with the ninth overall pick. I know it's easy to go line, and you can never go wrong taking a, you know, a tackle, a pass rusher. You know, you win in the trenches. But I don't know in this draft is there's, if there's going to be a guy like head and shoulders above B. John Robinson when they take. And it just kind of sets you up. Like, who cares if B. John Robinson isn't a great player in eight years? Let's just focus on the next four. What if he's the best running back in the league in two years? Hey, this is Austin, and I'm a senior in high school. I'm about to graduate soon and want to go into sports scouting recruiting. I was curious on how I would go about this dream of mine. I would really appreciate it if you get back to me. If not... God bless. I got you, bro. Wherever you go to college, wherever you go to school, I mean, assuming football, but maybe it's basketball or baseball, try to work for their team. And, you know, you already have this in your mind of what you want to do. You're so young. You got the world ahead of you. And uh, wherever you go to college, whether it's a big school or a small school, get involved immediately. Don't waste any time. Separate from the pack. Because, hell, I didn't even start doing it until like my junior year. I started working for the athletic program at Cal Poly, like, yeah, probably my junior year. But I didn't work really with the football team till my fourth year. But I was, you know, <laughs> stayed five years. <laughs> Not exactly a, you know, valedictorian here. Uh, but t- time, like, you have a short period of time to really take advantage of it. And when you get to college, like, depending on where you go to school, I think you can... Um, I think, you know, get involved immediately would be my best advice. Really my only advice. I mean, I I think that's just, that's, that's kind of what I did. uh, And it worked out. Big fan of the pod. They've been a godsend for my work days. Thank you for the quality content. You've mentioned Matt Barkley a couple times whenever you reference to working as a scout. I'm a diehard Trojan fan and have always wondered why he fell so far down in the draft when he was projected as a top 10 pick after his junior year. Was he just massively overrated that junior season? He was on pace to throw more touchdowns his senior year, but then he got hurt in the UCLA game. I was hoping you'd be able to shed some light on the topic because it's been bothering me for a decade. Could you see a tumble of magnitude? I, I would just say this. I think sometimes when you're at a big program and you put up good stats, you there's a hype train behind it. Right. If I go to Texas, if I go to USC, if I go to Oklahoma, if I go to one of the SEC schools, if I go to Michigan, Ohio State, and I throw a lot of touchdowns, <clears throat> I'm going to be a uh, you know a highly talked about guy. And we usually, once we start talking about you, your sophomore, junior year, we start talking about you as an NFL player. And I think sometimes when you really look at a guy, break him down as a talent, you go, well. He actually isn't that tall. He's actually not very athletic at all. 
Oh, yeah, and his arm's pretty weak. And I think when you really broke him down as a player, he didn't really have that many things going for him to be some top pick. So even as a junior, would he have gone as a top 10 pick? I doubt it. I I honestly really doubt it. Because we don't really start nitpicking you until you declare, right? Or until your senior year when we know you can't go back. So I think he really got nitpicked. Bad athlete. I mean, relative to NFL players, not me or you. I mean, really, really bad athlete. Like, really, really slow. And he didn't have a good arm. So you go, like, this guy, and he ended up going in the fourth round. And more power to him, he's had a long, long career. Now, anyone that's listening to this knows what I like in quarterbacks, whether it was definitely in my time in the NFL and 100% ever since. Like, I like a bigger arm guy. Now, that doesn't mean if you have an average arm, doesn't mean you can't be good, right? Like, I'd rather have Dak Prescott than you know, fucking Christian Hackenberg, right? I'd rather have Brock Purdy than Zach Wilson. But, like, I lean, like, I'm going to like the guys with the bigger arms. That's why Will Levis intrigues me. Obviously, Anthony Richardson, right? Like, I like guys with power arms. Now, to play quarterback, it's more about just strong arms. But those are the type of guys that I like, that I have an affinity for. And it just gets back to the way I was taught in football, right? Like, when I got to Fresno State, we recruited Derek Carr. He had a big arm. And then when I got to the NFL, Michael Vick started. Big arm. I just like bigger arm guys. And that's why I never liked Matt Barkley. Chip Kelly didn't care. Chip Kelly liked Matt Barkley because he thought he was accurate. Question for the mailbag. What do you think about the expansion rumors to Mexico City or London? Do you see the NFL taking the leap internationally? Would the logistics make sense to you? London never really did. Because one thing that any person that gets first hired in the NFL as a scout, you do a lot of airport runs, you do a lot of taking guys around, and one thing with an airport run means you're signing guys, you're cutting guys, you're there's a lot of turnover, especially during training camp. Well, a lot of it, even in Philly, is like, we need to fly this guy in. He lives in Texas, he lives in LA, he lives in Seattle. He lives in Scottsdale. And that was a long flight, but he still got there relatively quick. What if you live in LA and I want to sign you and it's Tuesday and it's a, you know it's the season and I have a team in London? I think logistically London would be more difficult than Mexico City, though Mexico City is still, you know, depending on where you're coming from. But it, it and I could be wrong. I've never been to either. I've never been to Mexico City. Been to Tijuana once. You know, not bad. Kind of fun. Uh, Puerto Vallarta, also not terrible. Been to Europe, but never been to London. London, Europe? Yeah. That's going to make me sound really stupid. Again, not a Harvard grad here. Uh, UK, you know, EU. EU. Uh, I, I think London would be very, very hard. I, I, I do. I also don't think the NFL is in the expansion business. Like, they got enough teams. Everyone's making enough money. We're right at the the kind of the line where we got good players. We got enough good players. The top teams are good, but we got enough players that are kind of fringy that the bad players are bad, right? Or the bad teams are bad because we run out of quarterbacks. So I, I would not be interested in expansion if I was the NFL. Now, you know, some would push back. You're either growing or you're dying, and there's truth to that, but I don't know. I, I just don't think we have enough quarterbacks. Welcome to Arizona. Question for the bag. 
is there any chance in the world the Chargers would ever go back to San Diego? Also, would the league ever force Spanos out? It's a little un, uh, uneasy with Herbert's contract coming up. They are cheap owners. I would say that they're not going to force Spanos out. Uh, clearly, they got their sights set on Michael Bidwell here in Arizona. And I think if they could figure that out, they will move next to Mark Davis in Vegas. But uh, I think Spanos can fly a little under the radar because he's in L.A. And it's just it just kind of is what it is. Uh I do not think they're going back to San Diego now. Pretty sure they just built a big practice facility. They got a sweetheart deal. They pay $1 in rent. The Chargers, I mean, San Diego doesn't have a stadium for them to play in. It's over, man. It's over. Hi, John. Enjoy the pod. You do a good job. I heard you discussing YouTube TV. I, too, have used it. We had the fastest internet package and lived in an apartment complex. Every single big football game, AFC, NFC Championship game, college football playoff, Super Bowl, was available in 4K, or at least 1080p. Yet every time we tried to watch these in higher quality resolutions, the game lagged or simply would decrease on its own. Uh, Completely unwatchable at the higher resolution. Watching Georgia destroy TSU in 720p or even 480p was about as fun as it sounds. Did you experience any of this with the bigger, most-watched games? Other than non-sports content, it did just fine. I never have any issue. Now, I'm with you. I get the highest-level internet possible. And I'm also... My office is, like I've said, it's just an apartment, a studio apartment that is just office-only, and there are other, you know, units in this building. So, I mean, I, I guess you would share internet in the sense of, like, the internet's all coming here. I had no issue. I have some issues sometimes because I got smart TVs if my internet is being weird. But like if I'm watching the Masters, football, basketball, anything, right, in the 4K or whatever the highest I I pay for, I guess it's 4K. I don't even notice. It's clear. I have no lagging issues. Now, I I do think YouTube TV is behind uh, some of your guys' packages, whatever your cable packages are. But in terms of buffering, it's it's the one reason that I've kind of been adamant in my defense of why this is going to work. When it comes to Amazon Prime and when it comes to YouTube TV, I have no issues. Now, I understand maybe some of you do. And you know what's funny is I went to, uh, probably within the last month, I was, me and my girlfriend... She's in real estate. We, she, we just, I said, let's pick four or five houses that I'd be interested in buying. Let's go look around. One thing I sneaky do when I look at a house is I, I look at my phone service. And I remember I was at this house. It's actually a pretty intriguing house. Uh, pretty sweet, actually. It sold, but it had one bar. I'm like, you know, this would be a problem. So, you know, and this was kind of in the mountains in North Scottsdale. And I was like, I wonder, would that be a problem with streaming? And I just had one bar for my phone service. And listen, I could be talking out of the left side of my you-know-what that this doesn't even, they're completely separate. But depending on where you live, obviously it might change things. And streaming is different than some of the cable companies. But I've never had any issues. It's why that I feel pretty confident in my situation. Now, I've only done the YouTube TV at this office. If I transition, I'm probably going to get an office no matter what. Uh, 
I'm going to keep an office whenever I buy a house. I'm going to put an office there. But I also, one thing that has been really, really enlightening for me, uh, now I have a unique kind of business. I like leaving the house and going to an office. Now, I don't plan on going far, but I could see myself renting something within a square mile or two from wherever I get a house. Because I like having an office. You know, I, I like separating. I, I, I've been way more productive and I was pretty productive when I had the office in the condo, but I, there's something about leaving. So maybe I'll get screwed when I try to get YouTube TV at my house and I'll just have to install it at the office and just be uh, spending more time there watching stuff. What have you heard about Will Anderson? Everyone in the media is mocking him in the top five, but Chris Sims says he doesn't really see it. And here's NFL people that don't see it either. Well, I just TV scout guys now. And whenever I watch Will Anderson, I really, really liked him. And they start asking around. And I think whenever you put a guy on a pedestal, like Jalen Carter, you go, Jalen Carter's sweet. And you go, Jalen Carter, relative to all these D tackles that have gone for the last decade, would be sweet against those guys. But you go, Will Anderson, sweet edge rusher. Well, relative to who? This draft class? Or Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett? You start going through some of the top edge rushers. And every single person will go, he is not that. But super high character guy, super hard worker, plays really hard. But I think one thing that concerns people, he's not a bendy guy. And I I do think if you're not going to have unlimited power, like a young Khalil Mack, and you can't really bend, it limits your ceiling. So I, I think some people, and I'm not, and again, like I haven't broken him down on film, but the knock I've heard is like, you know, he's not special. He's not special. He's going to be solid. He's going to be a good player. It's going to be hard for him to fail just because he's like Nick Saban's hardest worker ever. He's a serious cat. But physically, he has some limitations. He, he is, you're just, you're not getting, you know, more than likely some Pro Bowl immediate pass rusher. It doesn't mean he can't eventually make a Pro Bowl. I've just heard his ceiling is not as high as the way is, and I'm guilty of this too, media people might talk about him. Because... Who'd I hear talk about this? I heard Michael Lombardi say that he really liked the Notre Dame tight end during the fall. You just watch him on television, right? You just, you watch Notre Dame games. You're like, God, this guy's a beast. He's like Gronkowski. And sometimes you think that. And he's like, then I watched him on the All-22 tape. And you know what? He's just, he's not as twitchy. He's just not as, he's not. He's not even close to Gronkowski. And I think sometimes when you watch a guy on television, and as a scout, and then you watch a guy on the tape, and you really break him down, you find flaws. You find flaws. So that's, and let's face it, when you are a high, just you're going to be a top 10 pick, you get nitpicked. Because it's like, we're investing a lot of money in you, so we better know all the strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes you just figure out that a guy has more weaknesses than you originally thought. So the number one thing I've heard is the bend. Stiffen the ankles is, is another word I've used or heard about him. With all the Trey Lance speculation about him being traded, I wonder if you can give a bit more insight into why the 49ers should give up on him so early for nothing. I know the odds are against him at this point, and he hasn't been great, but given he hasn't really had a proper chance at playing due to injury, wouldn't it make more sense just to write it out? John Lynch kind of alluded to that. If Brock Purdy was healthy, I think 100% Trey Lance would be gone. 
I still think for the right price, even with the unknown on Brock Purdy, they would trade him Thursday or Friday. Now, they're not going to trade him for a fifth-round pick. They're not going to trade him for even for a fourth-round pick. But, like, would the Houston Texans give their 65 overall, the top third-round pick? I think the 49ers would think about it. Now, are the Houston Texans going to do that? Doubtful. So, it doesn't make much sense to give him away for nothing, given that he's a good guy, that he's trying. The only reason you trade him and, quote-unquote, give him away is because you go, well, we don't think he's going to beat out Sam Darnold. And then if he doesn't, and he's a third-string quarterback when Purdy comes back, his value is like a seventh-round pick in a bag of balls. It's nothing. So try to get value now. But you go, listen, there is a major unknown on Purdy's elbow. There's no guarantee that he comes back. Let's just ride it out, see if, hell, maybe he's maybe he shocks us all. Because this is not a media creation. The 49ers do not think he's that good. The players didn't think he was that good in training camp. This has nothing to do with the guy. Good guy, people like him. But as a player, the team wanted Jimmy G back. It's not an opinion. Obviously, it's factual because they resigned him. But the reason they did is because the star players are like, yeah, this ain't going to work, guys. This is not going to fly. We're trying to be good. And uh, and yeah, so I, I don't expect him to get traded, but I don't think it's off the table this week. I, I, I do not. Now, there, like you said, there's a level of risk. Purdy, we won't know till 12 weeks in how his elbow holds. Crazy story, man. Pretty nuts that John Lynch had a press conference before the draft on Monday. And two years after drafting him, right? I guess they drafted him in 2020 and 2023. So two drafts. Two drafts since. 21 and 22. Just openly talk. I guess guess he was drafted in the 21 draft. 21, 22. So yeah, two drafts since. They just openly talk. Like, yeah, people have called us about him. This guy they traded three first-round picks for. Technically two, but they swapped picks and then two other first-round picks. It's like, yeah, we've had conversations. It's not something we're willing to do right now. That's a conversation that the general managers is openly having. It's not even that weird. They got lucky. Because unlike the Jets, like the Jets suck. So they had to do the Rodgers thing. They can't afford to miss on Zach Wilson. The 49ers, miss on Trey Lance, whatever. They've been to back-to-back conference championship games. I mean, that's winning cures all. You can make disastrous moves. Disastrous moves. You can invest in every terrible stock. But if Bitcoin goes to 150 grand and you have a lot of money invested in there, who cares? You'll be fine, right? Sometimes you get lucky. And I think the 49ers got a little lucky with Brock Purdy. Appreciate everyone listening. Thanks to uh, my video producer, James. My audio producer, Holes. Everyone at the volume team. All you guys out there in the internet streets that are listening the podcast. Uh, We appreciate you, and uh, let's have a good week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 